Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Namihi nui. I'm Alison Balance, and welcome to this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ. Now here's some uh, interesting facts about bodily waste. Did you know that every year each one of us produces about 500 litres of urine and 145 kilos of faeces? Worldwide, that's about 290 billion kilos of poo. Now you might think I'm oversharing, but the reason I'm sharing that with you is that we're about to hear about a process that might be the ultimate circular economy, taking human waste and treating it so that not only is it safe, but also useful, in a slightly unexpected way. To find out more about poo to plastic, I'm off to Scion to meet Seren Wajekun and Daniel Gapes. We're standing in a moderately large tent um, in front of a platform, and there's a wilderness toilet sitting on the platform, and a, a bunch of processes that uh, flow out from that. And a big sign that says reinvent the toilet challenge. So yeah. tell me about that. So the reinvent the toilet challenge is a, a global challenge that uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation established basically to deal with the massive problem of sanitation within the context of the urban poor around the world. And they are thinking about people's houses and processing within a within a, a household environment. And so the material that comes out of that has to be free of uh, bugs that um, cause a hazard to your health uh, and processed uh, appropriately so that it can be moved out of the household safely. And so that scale that we're looking at is the scale that we are actually working at. Yeah. Okay. So this is not a small one of a, of a big one, so to speak. Yeah. So how many people in the world don't have access to good sanitation? So the number is frighteningly large, and so about 2.5 billion people. So what's the approach you're taking? So we basically have taking poo, the poop that comes out of a toilet, and uh, we want to process this through a technology which is called wet oxidation, and that's essentially a, a pressure cooker system where you put the materials in and... If you add uh, enough heat and enough oxygen, you can actually burn the material that's in there in the water. So it's just like lighting a fire, but except in the water phase rather than having to dry everything out. Okay, so that's some of the equipment that you've got yeah. up on the so, platform there? Yeah. So we've got a small uh, reactor sitting in the, in the middle of the, of the platform, which is just basically looks like a tube with a bunch of pipes coming out of it. If you can imagine, you're poos and wheeze being mixed together and going into one end of that. It would go in, all the valves would be closed, turn the heater on, which is around the outside of that. You would rock it. It's on a rocker. Um, and so you so that's just that to move it around? To move it around, to swish it around, take the temperature up to around about 250 degrees C. You've put some oxygen in there from one, another one of those pieces of equipment. 
And if you do that and give it uh, 10 minutes or 20 minutes, essentially that oxidation or that burning reaction starts to occur. And so the solid material gets dissolved and gets converted into carbon dioxide and water and also to some chemicals which can be processed uh, further down the, down the stream. Those of us who are a bit older probably remember pressure cookers from home where they seal and they build up quite a head of pressure in them when they're cooking so you can cook your beans faster. That's right. So that's, that's, that's just part of speeding the process up? That's right. It speeds the process up and it's a pressure cooker. So if you heated something in an open vessel above 100 degrees C, of course it w- all the water would boil off and uh, we're trying to uh, maintain all the water uh, in, the, in the reactor. So that's why it, it turns into a pressure cooker. So it makes a head of steam uh, over the top. So it is a pressure vessel, so it's got some interesting challenges associated with considering working at toilet scale with pressure, but that's one of the things that we're looking at. So tell me a bit more about the products that are made as a result of this process. So out of wet oxidation, depending on how hot it goes, you certainly kill all the bugs, that's the first thing that you've got to do. Uh, You dissolve all the solid material. Out of that, the, the nitrogen that comes in with your... Uh, poos and wheeze, uh, gets converted to ammonia and also there's a, there's a reaction that goes on in there which turns some of the organic material into acetic acid which is essentially vinegar. Out of that an ash is formed so most of the phosphorus which comes in in the feed material gets uh, put into the ash. So when the material is blown down out of the wet oxidation system if it's sat there all the ash will settle to the, to the ground and you could remove that safely and the liquid can go off into the next stage of processing and the interesting thing about that is that the vinegar or acetic acid can be readily eaten by bacteria and the ultimate aim is to get a highly uh, purified water coming out of the back end. So I think where the bugs and the the uses of them come into is, is your department. Yes that's correct so we were looking at uh, what we could do with the uh, cooked poops so we were looking at ways of sort of uh, uh, making use of it or adding value to it. So one of the ways is to use that as a feedstock using the microorganisms that we have in the nature to convert it into a bioplastic, which has the properties of the commodity plastics but has the additional property of degrading in the environment, which we want now. So the microorganisms are doing this just as a natural part of their digestive system? That's right. What happens is this plastic kind of substance is kind of an accumulation within the microorganisms itself. So under certain conditions, when they are fed with uh, unbalanced diet, full of carbon, less of nitrogen, generally they accumulate the carbon as the plastic. But the challenge here was that the feedstock that we got had high nitrogen as well. And then how do you convert that into plastic. So we overcame that and was able to get the microorganisms accumulate plastic up to about 40% of their own body weight. So the stage where you're feeding this acetic acid to the bugs, what does that stage involve? First we need to enrich the organisms with the organisms that are able to produce plastic. All the organisms don't do that. So once we accumulated those bioplastic producing organisms, we fed this vinegary feedstock into it and then allowed them to accumulate it up to about 40%. So then the next stage is to extract that and use that plastic in, in an application. Is this a bit like, I'm just trying to think of something I might do in my kitchen, like 
growing sourdough or making yogurt or something where I'm adding microorganisms to something and then waiting for them to use the basic material and multiply and ferment. That's right, that's right. So the important thing here is that this can be done in by host of microorganisms, but the biggest cost involved is the feedstock generally. So we got a feedstock that came from waste material, so that's, that's one thing. The other thing is when you process this kind of material in the laboratory, you need to have some um, sort of clean environment there, and that needs kind of sterilization and uh, stainless steel stuff, uh, reactors and so on, which is an additional cost, but we were able to do it in an open environment, thereby reducing the cost drastically of producing this bioplastic. So are you pleased with how the system's working? Oh, this is really exciting, yeah. It's working well, so we're in the midst of what is basically a three-year project to take it through to a prototype stage that someone will be going to that toilet that we're looking, looking at and be able to have their waste process through as an example. Ultimately, it needs to be a whole lot smaller than what you see here, but that's not, uh, that's not this stage of work. It's really to prove the principles are going to work for us, and so far, pretty exciting. What kind of use do you see your bioplastics being put to? Yeah, so because of the biodegradable property, you know, the bioplastics have uh, different kinds of plastics. Some are bio-based, but this is coming, this is produced by microorganisms and degraded by microorganisms. So uh, it can be the high-level uses could be even manufacturing of body parts, say bones and so on. So uh, those could be high-level applications, but uh, uh, we are still not there. The toilet that you've got up there is one that I'm familiar with if I'm at a place like a, a dock hut in the backcountry, which tends to be somewhere a long way away from any electricity supply or any water supply. Is yeah. that a key part of this? Yes, it is. That's right. So the demands that we have ultimately are for a v- extremely low energy use and no water that goes to the, to-, to the toilet itself. So it has to look basically look after itself, which is essentially like a, a dock Toilet, yeah, so that's the way, one, the way that we can think about it sitting here in New Zealand. That's one way that you can sort of, vis- I can visualise uh, the type of application that we're um, putting it into. It's going to need some power, though, to heat, heat that vessel up and m- get it pressurised? Yeah, that's right. Basically, that has to be able to function uh, with an intermittent supply of electricity, and that's becoming more relevant as things like solar power are uh, become prevalent across the world. Uh, so the access to electricity um, is becoming increasingly available, um, but certainly the uh, quality of it is is not always uh, high. And so that's the that's the condition that we would be working under. Yeah. So you're really aiming at individual households. So. They would be generating small amounts of byproduct, and I'm just thinking of this bioplastic thing. Is is that when you might scale this up to yes. like a, a city's waste place, so yeah. that they're generating large amounts of it yep. for bioplastic? That's right. So you wouldn't necessarily do the bioplastic work at this scale. There might be something like an apartment block scale, and when I think of an apartment block, it doesn't have that many families in it. But in overseas, some of these apartments have 10,000 people living in them, and so the volumes quite quickly get really large. And even beyond that, to to um, a, what's called a decentralised processing system, which might be treating 100,000 people's worth of waste, and that's really where these added value uh, opportunities that are being talked about, like bioplastics uh, or energy production, which this could also be applied to, they become a bit more relevant. At the, at the household scale, it's really about... Uh, 
dignity and health hazard is the main driving force for it. Yeah, but the technology can move into any of those scales. It's one of the interesting things that it can do. Is it can actually operate through a large number of scales. Are there other uses that you could put the poo to, basically, instead of going down the bioplastic path? What else could you use it for? Yeah, so one of the things that we are investigating is taking the what we call the liquor that comes out of the wet oxidation process and feeding that to bacteria and also giving those bacteria access to light and getting them to grow in a, in a lit environment. And you get this interesting phenomena where the, the reactor turns purple because the, purple, the bacteria that grow up in that uh, light-driven system are purple and they grow to extremely high yield. So that means that lots of the vinegar or acetic acid that goes in most of it gets turned into bacterial cells. And so why, might you, why you might do that is you can harvest those bacteria and use them as a source of protein. And they could be used to feed fish in, in an aquaculture-type environment or to feed to chickens or something like that. And so access to protein is becoming a really massive issue globally. And so the opportunity to turn a starting waste material into something that gets converted into a protein source is quite an interesting opportunity. I could see that working really well at a village scale with some fish ponds alongside whatever right. their little that's treatment the, plant. That's the kind of thinking that we are playing with around that application of the technology, yeah. Thanks, Daniel. That was Daniel Gapes from Scion, and we also heard from Seren Wajakun. I'm Alison Balance, and this Our Changing World podcast first aired on RNZ on the 4th of October 2018. To listen to this story again, or any other, just head to our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. You'll find photos, useful links, and hundreds of stories on everything from albatrosses to yellow-eyed penguins. Speaking of which, I am campaigning for yellow-eyed penguin to win the annual New Zealand Bird of the Year competition. And I, or rather we, Team Hoi Ho, would love your vote, please. And you can vote from anywhere. Just head along to birdoftheyear.org.nz by the 14th of October, scroll all the way to the bottom of the list of avian candidates, and you'll find us, yellow-eyed penguin. And if you need a reason why you should vote for us, it's a penguin. Surely that's the only reason you need, although there are plenty of others. Don't forget that the RNZ suffrage podcast Beyond Kate is rolling out at the moment. And you can find both Beyond Kate and Our Changing World on your favourite podcast provider. You'll also find us on Twitter and Facebook at RNZ Science. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Modi order. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.